0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage
1: for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, you want to win the NFC South, Jameis Winston? Well, go ahead and beat the NFL's all time passing leader. That's right, the Saints quarterback, Drew Brees. He did it Monday night. Against the Washington Redskins, he breaks Peyton Manning's all-time record of 71,940 yards in the second quarter against the Redskins. He sets a mark, 62-yard touchdown pass to Taequann Smith, he went into the game needing just 201 yards to surpass Manning's mark. I'm telling you, it was a great moment, and what he said to his boys during that celebration when they held up the game was even more impressive. We'll talk about that. Uh, we have all kinds of thoughts on Drew Brees tonight. And, of course, how it relates to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks, meanwhile, return to work after their bye week and six days off. What does it say that Mike Smith is still the defensive coordinator of this team? We'll tell you what Dirk Cutter had to say about that. And Cutter also had his players give him some written feedback about what they think needs to get better. Interesting approach by the head coach. We've got defensive line coach Brenton Buckner, who called the Bucks pass rush average. So much to talk about with the Bucs as they return to work on Monday. And in Major League Baseball, three of the four series are settled. The Astros swept the Indians. The Brewers, of course, have swept the Rockies. And the Dodgers beat the Braves in four games. The Red Sox took a 2-1 lead over the Yankees, so that series is nearly over. So we have all of that to break down and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. So, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727 862 2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. So, Steve, uh, before we get into the Bucks and, of course, them uh, returning to work as they prepare to play the Atlanta Falcons, one and four now, Atlanta Falcons, as as that, uh, as that record stands. Um, really cool uh, Monday night game, and it had, obviously, some significance because it was the New Orleans Saints hosting the Washington Redskins, and it was going to be a big night for Drew Brees because he entered the game. Uh, needing just, uh, what was it, 201 yards, I think, um, to uh, to become the all-time passing leader and break Peyton Manning's record. And so he did it, of course, and, and with his usual flair, uh, managed to do it on a uh, 62-yard ta- touchdown pass to Tiquan Smith. Um, so, you know, that was a- an impressive performance, and he went on, of course, to throw a bunch of touchdown passes, and the Saints destroyed they're Washington Redskins who look like they were more like the Washington generals to their globetrotters, to be honest with you. Um, but what was even, you know, it was a touching moment. And, and the story of Drew Brees, uh, because we've been so close to it in the NFC South with the saints and we know, um, you know, sort of, he, he sort of had two careers, right? I mean, 13 years ago, this guy was quarterback for the San Diego chargers and uh, suffered a devastating shoulder injury that you know, some doctors gave him about a 25% chance of ever throwing a football again. And, you know, we know the story of him uh, as a free agent. And, and, yes, the Bucks needed a quarterback back then. I think maybe Brian Greasy was their guy. Um, but he did not come here. But he did visit Miami. And at the time, you know, he was still rehabbing that shoulder. And Dante Culpepper also visited Miami, and he had had a, a serious knee injury. And as the story goes, as Nick Saban tells it anyway, Saban was a head coach there. That the, the Miami doctors failed Breeze on his physical or did not fe- think that shoulder was sound enough to take the chance. But they did, of course, sign Culpepper. Breeze goes to New Orleans, um, goes there at a time when, you know, there's not much going on with the Saints. Then Katrina, of course, had hit. And him and Sean Payton not only resurrect, resurrect that franchise but also bring – some life to the city that really needed it. They go on and win a Super Bowl, and it's just—it's a remarkable story, especially Steve, because this—this this is a guy that you know doesn't—I don't think he gets enough credit. He's an elite quarterback, but the way he has done it—he's—he's he's barely five foot, what, five foot ten? Um, you know, he did win a Super Bowl, but now he's the all-time leading passer. I mean, this is—this is remarkable stuff.
0: Uh, It's 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 absolutely, you know, in in the age of quarterbacks have to be six foot four and stand back in the pocket so that you can see over your lineman to pass it downfield. You know, he's that exception to the rule in that. And there's others, too, but he's done it better than and more consistently than anyone, too. Yes. I mean, you and I were talking before the podcast. It's, you know, okay Drew Brees is playing today. okay
1: he's going to get 300 yards and two to three touchdowns. Guaranteed. Yeah, you can almost it's a lock almost every week. It is. Yeah, Raheem Morris told me that he says I know two things when we're playing the the, the Saints. Drew Brees is going to throw for three hundred and three touchdowns. We start there, and 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 that is literally what he does every game.
0: It's it's absolutely fascinating. And and you know we also talked before the podcast too of you know there's a lot of talk of you know Brady and Belichick and, and is it is it you know Belichick made Brady great? Is it Brady makes Belichick great? But Peyton and and Drew Brees are right up there with them as far as you know a combination of you know. Calling Coach plays and and, yeah. and coaching to the quarterback and and you know, again, they've been together since two thousand six in New Orleans. So this is what, their thirteenth season together. Yeah. You know, so they're approaching that longevity too of together. But I mean, what they've done there and, and completely reformed that franchise. I mean, that franchise hadn't done much for years. No. Before that. Um, and what they've done and consistently and and you know, this year again, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. I mean, they're gonna be they're four and one now, and of course they're only losses to the Bucks. And they right, still put up forty one. points in that game.
1: Yeah, no, it was you know it was interesting because Breeze played great, and I think if if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't run for a, a first down on third and eleven, he's probably going to bring them down, score a touchdown, and get the two point conversion as he had done twice before in that quarter. I mean that's just the way he was playing. He played terrific. They lose that game. I remember, you know, a lot of times, uh, and this happens at uh, Raymond James too. But a lot of times after the game is over, the families are upstairs, usually in a suite or a family area. And the players, after they do their interviews, will sometimes go up for an hour or so and meet with friends or guests, people they have in town, whatever. Um, And Breeze was, you know, at the Superdome or the Mercedes Dome, whatever it's called now. It's it's a terrible setup. They 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 have very few working elevators, and so we had to wait. And uh, some Saint players were coming up to go up up to that lounge level, and it was Breeze, and uh, and who looks just you know out of in street clothes like every man. In fact, he's smaller than me. And I'm barely six foot tall and about 220 pounds, but um, but but Breeze, uh walks by, couldn't have been more polite. Wouldn't known any won or lost the game, um, and it, it, he looks so unremarkable as an athlete. He's a great athlete. I mean, he's you know I talked to Gerald McCoy about what this guy does because they train together in San Diego every year, and it's you know the guy's he's an animal. I mean, he just gets after it, and that's how he's managed to to stay you know the longevity he has, but. You know, in thinking, I, you know, we talked about, I mentioned Jameis Winston at, at the top of this podcast. And, you know, really, when you think about the great quarterbacks, these guys that have had longevity, um, you know, look, we know Brady was a six-round pick, and that, that's a rags-to-riches story in its own right. And, uh, you know, he made himself uh, into a great athlete, and now he's into this TB12 and thinks he can play to 45, and who's going to tell him he can't? Um, Brees was sort of that way, too, in, in the way he has worked. And work so hard at it, but what what separates these guys is the consistency. I mean, it's remarkable how consistent he has been. And if you're Jameis Winston right now, if if you're you know you're in the NFC South, and, and we talked about these quarterbacks before. We've talked about you know m- you know Matt Ryan with Atlanta, who's been to a Super Bowl and was the MVP of the league. Cam Newton, who's been to a Super Bowl and was the MVP of the league. And now a guy that's a surfire first ballot, I think, uh, locked for the Hall of Fame and Drew Brees, um, who's still playing, and he's, he's 39 years old. He'll be 40 in January. I think he's got at least another year left. Um, I think when the year began, it you, you kind of felt like he had two more seasons. But, um, you know, to chase this guy down, you're going to just have to outlast him because he's not surrendering anything. And, and Jameis Winston, if you're going to be – what he wants to be in this league and what people frankly expected him to be when they took him number one overall. You have to become that kind of consistent guy. You cannot ride the roller coaster. And that's what's so fascinating, Steve. We were talking about this earlier. Is like when Jameis comes in on Sunday and they hand this, this position to him again um, and, and say, you know, okay, you're our guy. All is forgiven. Now take us to the promised land. He has to be a different quarterback. He has to be... The guy who is consistent, that completes balls, that doesn't turn it over, that goes out there and is the reason why they, you know, he plays winning football, and his team has a chance every Sunday because you know what you're getting from him, and he hasn't done that yet. And I'm I'm curious as to whether this will be the year, because if it's not, you wonder if there will be a year uh, for the Buccaneers. Will he? Will, will will they will ever see that, or will they give up on him before he gets there?
0: Yeah, I, I, but I think there's a, another part of this too that we sometimes forget with Jameis Winston, and we we forget with Drew Brees too. And in that, Jameis Winston's 24 this year. Oh, he's young. When yeah. when Drew Brees was 24, it was in his third NFL season, and he went two and yep. nine, I believe that year. He played 11 games. Yep. Um, for San Diego, that's right. that's right. He wasn't he wasn't considered great. I think he completed what 57 percent of his passes that year. Um, Mm -hmm. he wasn't, no, he was, you know, at 24 years old today, you know, he was not, he was not what you, you know, it's not the Drew Brees of today and, and, you know, even Tom Brady when he started off and, you know, considered the greatest of all time and and yes, he won a Super Bowl, a couple of them when he was young, but it wasn't him that won those Super Bowls. I mean, he played well and he, okay, but he wasn't the Tom Brady we know today at all. And Brees
1: Brees was a second round pick. I think a large mm -hmm. part of that was his, is, you know, the fact that he wasn't six feet tall. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but he was not he was not in fact San Diego of course drafted another quarterback, yeah well, absolutely they did
0: you know and it was it wasn't until his you know his age twenty five season he was selected to a pro Bowl, actually did pretty well, played fifteen games that year and did very well for the the chargers um, and then after the two thousand five in his tw- age twenty six season he got hurt but right you know quarterbacks when you're twenty four years old it's hard to write you off when you've got all the skills and the tools. And I, I know, it I know it's. It, this is Jameis' fourth season, and you expect a lot, but he didn't have as much college time as a lot of these other guys do, because he came out early. That, you know, I don't know what Jameis is going to do in the future. I don't know if he can be a Hall of Fame type or, you know, perennial All Pro quarterback. I don't know yet, but I know he's got a lot of talent, and he's only twenty four. And, and the quarterback, more than anything, and as today's game gets faster and more complex, it's all mental. And the more experience yeah. and the more reps you have, the better you're going to be from it. That yeah, Whether, whether that it's Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, yeah. Tom Brady, you name the quarterbacks, they get better with age. Even oh, if their sure. skill set starts to diminish in their 30s, they're better because mentally they're better. Right. So I, right. You know, I have no idea what Jameis' ceiling actually is, but he's got all the tools to be great. Can he ever put it together? We'll see. And, and you know, yeah. we, we talked in this podcast about in the preseason, he looked pretty good. He looked like he's improved uh, so he much of his game, so much of his game. He outplayed Brian improved.
1: Fitzpatrick, yeah. absolutely.
0: But it was his footwork, it was the decision making. You know, the things mm-hmm. you want to see as as you become more experienced, you want to see those improvements. And and you know, he showed a lot of that in the in the Chicago, the second half of Chicago game. Although you're you're down thirty-five-three, who knows what the defense is doing against you? You can't necessarily say, okay, he looked pretty good, so he's he's fine. We'll see in these next few weeks now how much he's progressed from last year.
1: Yeah. Well he showed some rust, and I mean that you know, he hadn't sure. played a football game of any kind for a long time, for over Absolutely. a month.
0: We hadn't he know? hadn't played one that actually counted in since, you know, December. Since last December twenty fourth. Right. Yeah. We're gonna learn a lot about Jameis over the next two, three, four, five weeks of just how far he's come now in his fourth season. Yeah. And, and all the work that, that he's put in and, and you know, like I said, in the preseason it looked tantalizing that he has improved quite a bit from last year.
1: We're gonna see if that can equate now. Yeah, I talked to Mike Bajakian uh yesterday and um you know, he's their quarterback's coach and and it this kind of started after he came back from his shoulder injury a year ago. If you go and look at the percentages, um I I don't think anybody really thought of Jameis as like a high percentage passer, but he's improved each season. Of course, if you look mm-hmm. at the trend league wide, it's ridiculous. Like, to complete seventy percent now seems to be the norm. It used to be if you made you know if you completed sixty percent, you were considered pretty good. Um, that obviously has gone up with the rules and and everything else. But you know, Jameis started completing more passes. He just uh, you know whether it's take what you get what what the defense gives you or just more accuracy. On his throws or knowing where to go with the ball, um, whatever it was, that thing was that—that's what he did, and he carried that over in the training camp this year. Where he, I think he's like well over seventy-five percent, or thereabouts. And he, of course, he hit seventy-five percent the other day, like you mentioned. Some uh, most of that was garbage time, and he missed some throws too. That you—you you would hope that the timing will improve. I asked Dirk Cutter, you know, how much—how much rust was there? it's unfortunate for Jameis. Everybody said, well, you know, the perfect time to put him in would be after the Chicago game because you have a bye week. Well, the thing about the bye week is he's the last guy that needed a bye week. (laughs) You know um, he had already taken three weeks off and hadn't played in in four because he didn't play in the final preseason game. So for him to come in here, practice for a few days, not play, he was lucky to get in the game. However, it turned out against Chicago to get some reps and then he essentially took six days off. I mean, he couldn't practice because the players were off. So He'll get a full week of work, but, you know, Cutter said even like last week when he came in the first day, eh, kind of rough, second day made a big improvement, and, and, you know, he thought by the time he played in the game, even though it was game speed and he, he made a couple bad throws, um, that he was kind of – the timing was starting to come around. So he didn't think there'll be any trouble by the end of this week with him getting all the reps preparing for Atlanta. He thinks he'll be ready to go and the timing will be good and uh, you, you, won't see, you won't see a whole lot of rust, but um, – but you know yeah he just this is such a you can't understate what a big year this is and if you just look at what's happening you know in the nfc and of course in the south in particular you've got two teams with one loss um the saints are going to go to four and one after the monday night game and you know the good news for the bucks is the one loss they have is in the division is to the bucks and they beat them on the road so that's you're playing a little bit with house money when it comes to new orleans if you could finish with the same record uh, or better, of course, that, that would be great. But uh, Carolina is going to – I don't think they're going away. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be tough to reckon with. Their defense is very, very good. They've had some troubles on the offensive line, but they still have Cam Newton. They still have Christian McCaffrey and some guys. And there's another coach quarterback, you know, that, that have been together. And that usually is what happens when you get a good quarterback that can be a franchise guy that gets better and takes you to bowl games and Super Bowl games. It's a good, good way to have longevity as a head coach in this league um but yeah i i mean that's when i look at you know who has a chance to go to a super bowl that's why we're talking about every year you know for so many years the mannings or for so many years you know ben Roethlisberger and uh, aaron rodgers you know has won a super bowl but you know matty ice went to one i mean with the exception of uh, you know there there's been a few exceptions but mostly it's it's quarterbacks over 30 that have played a really long time um, mostly for the same head coach or in the same organization. And those are the guys that do it. And that's why the bucks if you talk to anybody over at One Buck Place, they are still so committed to Winston, so absolutely certain that he is the guy that is going to take them there if they just allow the process and allow him to continue to play and surround him with good players. They really think that he's going to be special and he'll be, um, you know, he'll be in that conversation. But man, tonight, tonight's like, Monday night kind of show you just what elite looks like you know and and one of the coolest things by the way I mean not only is Drew Brees a great great quarterback and we know um, you know there's a there's a lot of great guys in the National Football League but universally if you talk to other players or you know certainly anybody in the uh, you know in the organization with New Orleans they can tell you just how how big he has been uh, in the community and, and, you know, as a father and a husband, and he's got four kids. He's got three boys and a little girl. And the coolest thing of the night, Steve, was when, you know, he's mic'd up. And that was exciting to hear him celebrate with his teammates and, you know, hug Sean Payton and all that stuff. but he went over, his family was on the field. And I don't know if he thought about this or if it just came naturally, but he, he huddled with his three boys and he told them he loved them. And then he said this, he says, you can accomplish anything in life if you're willing to work for it. That's what he told his kids in that moment. What a powerful message, you know, in in a moment where, you know, your dad is be, has become. They may not have that perspective now, because I think the oldest is nine years old, because I think he's as old as my oldest daughter. Um, but it was just showed you what he's really about. That he did not, he did not bask in the glory of himself. He he sat there and used it. You know, sort of as as a as a as a lesson, you know, to his kids. And I just thought that was so neat.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you know, a father of two young boys myself. You know, not, yeah. that, not that I'm going to be setting any passing record yards anytime. Uh, soon. Hey,
1: don't sell yourself short. No, uh, I, no I may set other
0: records, but not you know NFL passing yards. But <laughs> you know, you hope to be that kind of role model role model for your kid. Um, yeah. And and you know, you always are looking for opportunities for teaching moments. Yeah. Um, to help yeah. them, you know, not only grow but become. You know, in your case, the the women that you want them to be. In my case, you know, my the men I want my sons to become. Um, sure. You know, and, and and you know the fact of, you know, go chase your dreams, and don't let anyone tell you you can't. Whether right. it's whether you know, and and Breeze's case from his height to to doctors
1: to whatever else is, you know, go do it, work hard. So, uh, speaking of the box, I was over at One Buck Place on Monday. Of course, they came in. It was sort of a bonus practice. I mean, this was uh, one they held in the morning for about an hour and a half or so. Um, you know, make sure everybody got back into town okay, and, and they'll take today off and then get back to the regular Wednesday schedule uh, on through the week in preparation for the Falcons. But it was interesting in that, uh, you know, you, 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 you think, Think about the changes. You know, they went into this bye week saying we're going to look at everything. We're going to look at everything, and we're going to evaluate our defense, and we're going to come up with some, you know, some reasons why we're not playing well, and and we're going to fix this thing. And we're going to do it with Mike Smith because Dirk Cutter said last week that, you know, he played the hypothetical Sapphire Mike Smith. What you know, who who's taking over all that all that sort of thing, and we know they have Mark Duffner and they have some guys, John Hoke, that that have done it before with other programs and in the NFL and in college, but. Um, really, a quarter of the way through the season, it would be a difficult thing to do. So uh, the thing that was striking, and you know, Dirk's not going to tell us you know, what the answers to the test were that they found out, but he did.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people
1: today. Say most of their problems are self-inflicted. He really didn't feel like these were things they couldn't fix. And we know they've had injuries. We know they're young in the secondary and that sort of thing. Um, but really, it, it, it sort of is left up to Mike S- Smith and his staff to figure out how to make this thing go. And it got me to thinking, and I asked Dirk this question, and, and I, I didn't mean it in a negative way, because remember, last week, he, he again, he addressed the hypothetical, well, what do I do if I fire him? So, so my question was, what does it say about the fact that Mike Smith is still your defensive coordinator? And this is despite... You know, Last year, the Bucks being last in the NFL in total yards, last in sacks, um, tied for 22nd in points allowed. And then four games through this season, they are last in scoring defense. They're allowing 34.8 points per game, and they're 31st in the league with 445.8 yards per game. I mean, th- this is a track record uh, that no one can be proud of, and it-, it could not have gone worse over the last year and a quarter. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to pose the question. Okay, you told us sort of why you wouldn't make the change. Okay, now let's turn it around and tell me tell me some of the reasons why Mike Smith is still the coordinator after all of this.
2: Every week, every game, it's it's way bigger than any one guy. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than Mike. It's bigger than Gerald McCoy. Uh, it's it's bigger than any one person. It's a team game. So that that was that was really my whole point. Is anytime. Anybody, me included, singles one person out for the cause of all of our problems or the cause of all our success. Guess what? That's not right. I mean that's just it's much more than that. And uh I mean I know I know how we game plan as a staff, I know how guys coach on the field, just like I know how guys play in practice and sometimes carry it over to the game better than others. So uh it's the greatest team game in the world so any any blame that goes to one person i I get how uh shoot i'm a i'm a fan of my son's team or my daughter's volleyball team and shoot i talk i talk just like fans when when it's my kids and then i have to check myself on that is that uh you know the coordinators in the nfl call the plays in all right they call the plays in they help organize the game plan they don't game plan at all i guess some could we don't do it that way but uh, they don't do the whole game plan themselves so uh again look at that from both positive and negative it's never all one person's fault and it's never all one person's credit and certain people in the league quarterbacks coordinators uh tend to get more credit or more blame than they deserve and the same goes for quarterbacks
1: so Cutter is right in that it isn't it isn't just one thing, but but there's gotta be accountability somewhere, right? There's a reason why you name guys coordinators because, you know, they do call the plays. They don't make them work necessarily, but they are the ones responsible for coordinating, you know, the the defense. But as as I kind of broke it down on my own here and try to answer that that question as to why Mike Smith, what does it say about the Bucks that Smith is still the coordinator? There's, there's several things that came to mind. And the first one is that They have history together, and and I don't think that's insignificant. I mean, I know, you know, Dirk Cutter has said, hey, you know, this is business. Uh, I don't want to hear about relationships. This is not about relationships. But let's face it, football is a relationship business. So just so we go over some of the history uh, with respect to, you know, Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter, Smith was a defensive coordinator uh, with the Jaguars under Jack Del Rio when Cutter joined that staff in 2007. Now, the remarkable thing is that was the last year that Smith was there because after that he was hired by the Atlanta Falcons where he spent six or seven seasons, I think, as their head coach. But that year in 2007, the Jags were pretty good in defense. They were 10th overall. They allowed just 19 points uh, per game. Mark Duffner was on that staff. Todd Munkin, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bucs, coached receivers on that staff. And so, like I said, you know, they had success. They went 11 and five. They upset the Steelers in the AFC wildcard game. And they lost to New England uh, in the AFC divisional uh, playoff. And that defense that Smith was a coordinator of uh, was built around two enormous defensive tackles. John Henderson, who was six foot, 328 pounds. Marcus Stroud, no relation. Six foot six, 312 pounds. Um, and, and then, you know, they kind of, they were space eaters and they, Um, They allowed the linebackers to flow, and it was was a really good defense. And and I think football was different in that. There weren't so many pass-centric teams uh, as they are now. So they had this experience together, and then, you know, once he goes to Atlanta as a head coach, then he hires Dirk Cutter to be his offensive coordinator. And, you know, again, Mike didn't run the defense in Atlanta, but he's a defensive-minded coach. So you cannot dismiss as much as Dirk Cutter says, hey, you know, let's get it straight. It has zero to do with relationships. Uh, this is how I feed my family, all that stuff. I get it. But there's an awful lot of equity built up here, not just with Mike Smith, but also with guys like Mark Duffner, with guys like Todd Munkin, guys on this staff that were on Del Rio staff that that admire Mike for, for the accomplishments he's had as a head coach on defense, all of that, okay? Not forgetting the fact that, you know, in the first year Mike Smith was here, um, they, they became, you know, a, a pretty functional defense. Now, they, they, they weren't ranked extremely high necessarily, but they were first in third down percentage uh, of opponents uh, that year. Um, you know, they uh, – I want to say that the, the turnovers went way up. Uh, they lived off of turnovers, in fact. I think they were in the top, you know, 10 in that for sure. And so they got it done, and they had a winning season. If you remember, in that offseason – Mike Smith was was interviewing for head coaching jobs in San Diego and other places and the Bucks more or less convinced him to stay in Tampa Bay and they signed him to a pretty lucrative extension paying him I think almost like a head coach. And so as I recall that you know the whole the whole talk that year was our best you know the Bucks were saying like their best offseason acquisition was extending Mike Smith. So they were very very high on Mike Smith and then of course You know, last year we know what happened. I got to believe that a lot of that was, was, you know, the fact they didn't have a lot of great players. That's why they rebuilt, you know, the defensive line and all that stuff. Well, what has happened since? I I think one of the reasons why you can't just put it all on him is that it's really hard to find a position that's performing well. And some of that's been injuries to the defensive line. You know, Bo Allen's been out for a couple weeks. Vita Vea didn't play for seven weeks. You know, they haven't had the rotation that they needed. Um, you know, so that, that's been a a factor. I talked to Brenson Buckner. Um, and I thought it was interesting, you know, right now the Bucks are tied with Atlanta. I think they're 26th in sacks. They have only eight sacks. Half of those, by the way, have come from Jason Pierre Paul. Uh, and Buckner
2: says, uh, I think we're, we've been quite average. You know, I think they're still working on trying to get an understanding on what I'm asking them to do. They're working hard and, it's a bitter pill to swallow because, you know, some guys are having to change stuff that they've done their whole career. But, you know, trying to get them to understand it's better for the team doing it that way, and they've worked extremely hard doing it. But, you know, we've been great at working it, you know, average at getting what we need to get done. But it's a, it's a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint. But my, my guys are working hard, and I couldn't be more satisfied than the way they're working.
1: The other part that hasn't played well is the secondary, and they've been hit hard by injuries. You can't dismiss the fact that cornerback Vernon Hargraves and Chris Conte have both gone on injury reserve. Those were two guys they were counting on. Hardgraves had a good training camp. He was playing well, plays one game, boom, he's out. Um, possible he could be recalled, we don't know yet. But that put three rookies on the field playing a lot of football. Carlton Davis and M.J. Stewart, uh, the two corners that they drafted, and then safety Jordan Whitehead. All three of them have been hurt. Whitehead didn't even wasn't able to play against Chicago, um, so you know that that made it tough. That put Isaiah Johnson in the game. Uh, that was down to their third safety. So you know the the thing is, I, I was talking uh, to John Hoke, the Bucks defensive backs coach, and you know he made the point, and it's so true. Like you can't impart experience on these players. You know they're going to get better as they play, but it's but you know that's who they're playing with and until they go through some of these some of these growing pains and they'll get better and they've developed players before this is sometimes what it looks like when you have young guys making their first starts in the NFL
2: Here's what John Hoke had to say about that. Every play is a little bit of a new experience for him. Yeah. You know, different offenses, different guys, uh, you know. Game plans. S- game plans, you know, will change and evolve a little bit from week to week. So, uh, you know, it's they're, they're learning as they go. Yeah. And uh, they'll continue to get better. Um, you know, some of the good plays we saw versus Philly. Some of the good plays we saw versus Pittsburgh. They're still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, a, a lot of things happen poor in, in one game. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll get better. I'm, you know, I've seen it happen. I've had a lot of young guys, I've been fortunate or unfortunate, I don't know, but I've had a lot of young guys keep getting better, and these guys will keep getting better. They're, they're good guys. They want to do it right. Uh, they ask great questions, and they'll work. So all those things are good.
1: So you've got the history with Mike Smith. You've got the fact that, you know, they've had some injuries and uh, there are other, you know, there are units within that team that aren't playing well. Some of that is on an experience, some of that is on, on coaching for sure, but not just uh, the, the portion that Mike Smith's in charge of. And the final thing is that this is a collaborative effort. You know, Mike Smith may call the plays, but, you know, every defensive, you know, assistant on that staff has an input. They just, they all do. And they, they, they come up with a game plan, and, and again, Smith will call it, but... It it's not as if he's, you know, it's just his fingerprints on the gun. I mean, there there's a lot of a lot of people who are involved in that. And, you know, in talking to Dirk Cutter, he says, Look, I, I get it. You know, I I go to my son's football team or my daughter's volleyball team, and I, I, I'm a fan, you know, I'm a fan of my kids. And so I, he says, you know, I got gotta kinda check myself at times, but he says, you know, it's it's not as if Mike Smith is the only one who's involved in, in devising these game plans that haven't worked uh, or, or failing to put players in positions where they can succeed. So, um, you know, that's, that's sort of been – so if you take those three things together, you say, well, they're showing an awful lot of faith in Mike Smith, and that's true. And there are reasons for it. But I think what, what, what Dirk was getting at is that we're a quarter of the way through the season. We're playing with some young guys. Um, now he promised that, you know, schematically there's going to be some changes. There'll be some things that they, uh, will do a little bit different. Probably I would, I would guess that would mean simplify some things. Cause usually when you have guys that are turned loose in the secondary, it means that you have miscommunication in that. Um, but they really are going to, and I don't know that they have a choice, but they're going to really ride this out and hope that it gets better. And look week to week, we know the NFL is a crazy league. Um, you can get absolutely blasted. That's the one thing I'll say about John Gruden. He used to say this all the time: that if you're not ready to play, it doesn't matter who you're playing in the NFL. They can absolutely knock your block off, and that's what the Chicago Bears did. The Chicago Bears had a great game plan. These guys couldn't didn't know what was what hit them. They made Trubisky made some terrific throws. Um, every guy seemed to be open. Every call seemed to be right. And some days you have you have get days like that, but. Um, obviously the defense has a long way to go, but I think, you know, those are the reasons why Mike Smith is still here. People will disagree with it. People think you should change coordinators at midstream. It's not that easy because at the end of the day, even though it's collaborative, somebody has to have a structure and a system and it, that system has terminology, right? And it's understood by the guy who devised it. And that system belongs to Mike Smith. I remember when, you know, the Bucks had Jeff Jagosinski as their offensive coordinator during the entire offseason. It was Mark Dominic's first year, and they hired Jagosinski, who was a Boston College head coach, to be their coordinator. And they went through the offseason. They put in the OTAs. They put in the offense. They did all the install. They got to training camp, and they figured out that Jeff Jagosinski had never called plays before. Now, why this didn't come up during the interview, I don't know. But he had a running backs coach who did that for him. And they also found out that his playbook wasn't voluminous enough for the NFL. I mean, these guys have 250 pass routes normally to draw from throughout the year. And this guy was working off a pamphlet. So before the season ever started, and there were some medical reasons as well, I don't know if it was anxiety or what, they made the change to Greg Olson, who was their quarterback's coach. And I remember talking to Greg Olson saying, well, you've called called plays before. This shouldn't be that big deal. And he goes, yeah, but Rick, it's not my offense. I'm calling something that belongs to somebody else. We can't change what fundamentally we are. You know, we can't, you know, we can't install the wishbone here. You know, like we we spent all off season with this terminology. I have to use his terminology, um, his offensive scheme until I can get to next year when I can put my own spin on it. So it all I'm saying is it's everybody that's in football knows it's just not as easy as saying, okay, you do it now, you know, and... Even in the case of Todd Munkin, he took the whole offseason in OTAs. He did all the install. Um, he, you know, it, it is Dirk's offense. It is the Bucks' offense. But he was able to, you know, to, to, to call it, um, to, to sort of interpret it, all those things. And Dirk allowed him to do that. And they were able to carry it on into the regular season. Just not easy to do, at, at you know, a quarter of the way through. So finally, we'll wrap it up with this. Major League Baseball, three of the four series uh, are decided. Boy, the Astros, man, they're not slowing down. They swept what I thought was a pretty good Indians team. I'm a little surprised that that series ended up the way it did. Uh, The Brewers, not surprised. We talked about the Rockies and all the travel that they had. Your Atlanta Braves, Steve, they only won one game. But you know what? I think in a year or two we're going to look at this Braves team and we're going to see them for many, many years.
0: I saw Andy Freed, the race play-by-play guy who's now on Twitter and tweeting actually. Talking about uh, you know, I mean, look. The, the honest truth is the the Braves are a year or two ahead of where they should be. Um, sure. Winning this division this year was not expected. They went ninety and seventy two, and as Andy said, he predicts a Rays Braves World Series in the future. And both teams went ninety and seventy two this year. Both loaded with young talent, um, building it up through the minors. Um, very possible that could happen in the future.
1: Yeah, no, and and they were very impressive when they played the Rays here as well. Um, and then the, the Red Sox. Take a two to one lead over the Yankees. It looks like, uh, well, I don't we got, wanna, we got I don't a know. we got a
0: positional player pitching for the Yankees tonight. As Austin Romine's on the mound in the ninth yeah. inning.
1: It's it's a yeah. It's it's one of those games. But um, as you
0: mentioned, that the the I thought the Yankees had a good bullpen, but you got to get there. When you give up six runs by your starter in three innings, and then you start giving up more runs after that from your first relievers, right. not a good night. Good, They're uh, down fourteen to one in the ninth.
1: Good outing by Nathan Eovaldi, though, and a nice trade for the Red Sox to pick up the former Ray. He might be making himself some cash this off this postseason. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, no, I definitely could see that. So uh, that's the last series. aside I- I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going all in right now with the Astros.
0: Astros Brewers is that your pick? Pick because you mentioned Astros Brewers. Y- y- the Brewers like the look Brewers. like
1: the Cubs of a few years ago to me. They just seem like a team of destiny, and uh, it's yeah, like you said before, it's going to confuse like what what league both, they both used to be in and what they're in now. But um, the Astros just haven't slowed down. I mean, they just, you know, they've had injuries this year. They've had, oh, you know, Tuve was out for a long time. but Correa you know, was out, yeah. Still pitches like he's 25, and, and it's just uh, that machine, I think, is just just now starting to crank up again. I really think that they are just, they're so solid as a, as a franchise. That Astros-Red
0: Sox series could be impressive, though.
1: Oh, I mean, could that, be. that, yeah, that Boston
0: sure. lineup versus that Astros pitching staff.
1: Yeah, no, that'll be a good one. I, that I, could be a fun Park. series. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. So, but that's that's going to be my call. I, I I still think I still think the Brewers, for whatever reason, I don't know. I feel like the Brewers are kind of like got this thing going, this mojo going. But we'll see. Um, but baseball, yeah. we get, And then uh, the Lightning are finally going to be back in action. we got a lot coming up for you guys on this podcast. You want to make sure you stay with us all week long. Ooh, what do you mean We're back in action? Tom... we still got
0: to wait another two and a half days till Thursday well, night. I know.
1: I know. We do. But we've got <laughs> uh, Tom Jones coming in uh, tomorrow. He's yep. going to talk to us, the columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. And then you asked for it, you got him. We're going to do this every week. Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times covers college football. He was at the Florida State-Miami game. We'll look ahead to the college football weekend. And, of course, there will be a big football Friday as we – Further breakdown, the Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons uh, later this week. Of course, Mike Smith actually will face the music. His first time he's been interviewed since that debacle in Chicago. That'll be on Wednesday, so we'll have that for you on Thursday. And then, of course, Thursday uh, heading into the weekend for mm-hmm. Friday will be uh, Jameis Winston. We'll talk about his return to the lineup and what he has to say about that and just what the expectations are. And speaking, lineup, yeah, and speaking of returns to
0: the lineup, yeah. And speaking return to lineup, Tyler Johnson was back at practice skating today in the in, uh, in part of the second line actually with Braden Point. So that's good that's news that he didn't play in the opener. For them. And Cedric Paquette, yeah. who if you saw in the opener, uh, took a skate across the hand after a face off. Uh, missed the rest that. of the first period. Came back for the to play the the second and third period. He practiced about half the day on Monday, and then took the second half off. But they said it's not going to be anything major. But uh, kind of lucky. It's not. Yeah. M- it's not worse than it was.
1: No, nothing major. It's just take a steak knife if you got a minute. Well, and just the, the gloves do have quite
0: hand. a bit of padding, so it wasn't like it was just blade right on hand. But yeah, I understand. Still not still. fun. Not good. But yeah, they no, say they, they say, they say it's not major. But he he only practiced about half the practice on Monday. So
1: well, uh, and the lightning will have some rust <laughs> after five days off. But <laughs> you know, they, they won't have many days off after that. Obviously. It's going to continue on for quite some time, I imagine, without them uh, being back into a regular rhythm. Once again, what a night for Drew Brees as he walks off to a standing ovation, fired up as, uh, as he should be, the all-time NFL's leading passer, passed both in the same night, passed Brett Favre and Peyton Manning on the same evening. Quite an accomplishment for, uh, for Mr. Brees. It's going to be an interesting season if the Bucs can run down the Saints. It's, you know, and they've got, hey, they've got a win in hand. Uh, of the defending champions, and they did it in New Orleans. So
0: you're only one game behind in the loss being... column.
1: That's right. They're not, and that's the thing. If if you had gotten here by winning your last two games, you know, instead of winning your first two and losing the last two, you just feel different about things. But when you have to sort of have that that taste in your mouth for, uh, you know, going on a couple weeks now, um, that's that's what's tough about it. Well, when you when you take it into the bye week. And so, as we said all along, though, you
0: know, if you just said two and two at the quarter poll in the bye week. Knowing Take Jameis it. was suspended for three games, Pfft. you would have been deal. happy. you would have you would have taken it in a heartbeat. You didn't, you know, being two and zero oh and then losing the last two and especially the last one the way you did stings. But you yep. know, you know, you know better than anyone in the NFL. You know, you're just you're as good as your last game. So you come out and play well this game, and it's a whole different story.
1: Yep, you can win them all, or you can feel like you're never going to win again. So. Anyway, lots coming up this week. We hope you stay with us. Um, Also, uh, make sure you visit our folks at uh, Millionaire Air Conditioning. Uh, They've got some great deals for you over there. You want to make sure you look those folks up, and uh, we appreciate their sponsorship as well for all your air conditioning needs uh, in Tampa Bay. Go to Millionaire. So, for Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.